0: hello
1: everyone you are listening to the latest flyers talk podcast presented by great railing I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. And Flyers fans, we're going to try to brighten your spirits. The sky is not falling. The Flyers, I think, I think are going to be okay. But let's get into it. Taryn Hatcher, not a memorable weekend or trip to, the, to uh, Boston for the Philadelphia Flyers. They dropped both games against the Bruins. The final game, a 6-1 loss that was um, their second 6-1 loss of the season out of six games. So... I can see why fans maybe are a little concerned. Carter Hart did not look like himself during the game and after he smashed the stick on the net and just really showed his frustration. And for everyone that knows Carter Hart, that is not him. He does not get angry. He doesn't show his emotions really, period, at all. So I think that spoke volumes to where the team is right now, how frustrated they are with this start. And they're actually 3-2-1. Life could be worse. What did you take away from Carter Hart's frustration, Taryn? And what did you really take away from that weekend or that – not that weekend, but those two games in Boston over Thursday and Saturday?
0: Um, <clears throat> the thing its and it's not just from the weekend. It's in general from this year that I've taken away so far is that my concern is, is even less a little bit about – what's happening right now because and i said this on flyers post-game live every every team across the league looks sloppy like even teams that have been winning don't look like they're winning the way that they would win before because it was a nine-day training camp and there's no exhibition games and everything in between like that's just true and it makes sense the the cause for concern with me is that the way that the flyers are struggling to refine their roles on this team was something that they struggled with in the bubble as well. And like, I just sit there and I look back at, I think we remember especially that uh, mid January through wonderful month of February of last year and built a ton of hope off of that kind of, It was really like an eight week period from mid-January to mid-March when things stopped. Um, And this fire team hasn't looked like that and they didn't look like that in the bubble. Um, You know, Jake Voracek has done some reassuring things. I'm glad that he's found his game. Uh, JVR being able to get a few goals is reassuring because if he can get points, he seems to continue to get points and that will help this team. Um, Kevin Hayes already Collecting some points is reassuring But like stylistically I mean Jordan You can correct me if I'm wrong Every Everything was bad on Saturday And that was what was concerning D zone Puck management Decision making in their own zone Bad Goal tending Not, not how it normally is I mean Carter Carter has taken a lot of shots on. He's seen a lot of rubber. But he has not looked sharp for stretches a few times this year. Um, but that's another another part of shortened camp, no preseason. You know, some of it's growing pains with this year. I just – like the thing that concerns me, like you said, sky's not falling, season's not over. Ghost returns to practice today. I think that's huge because Eric Gustafson did not look good. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the real cause for concern for me is that they just don't really look great anywhere. Like power play isn't knocking it out of the park. PK isn't knocking it out of the park. As we said, their decision-making and puck management in their own zone has been bad. They can't seem to get um, – any kind of controlled rushes but, like they just they don't I don't know like no, a, you, you tell me if, if there's anything I'm missing but it just seems like even before last night like they were winning in spite of themselves a bit and mm-hmm. it, Sean Couturier and Phil Myers are a lot more to lose than people realize especially when you already lost Matt Niskanen in the off season. but um, there's just like, I just don't even know if you're Elaine Bino, what you say to that dressing room. I'm, I'm so curious. Yeah, and
1: no, they do, Taryn. I think systematically they look, like a, they look like a mess, let's be real. They're giving up so many shots because they're just not playing to their strengths or the system in which they want to play at all, and it's created, I think everything kind of compounded uh, Saturday like the Bruins are gaining confidence off their win and they, they were kind of struggling over their first three games and they really built confidence up in the flyers. I think are shorthanded and their confidence took a hit and then it, everything just kind of became a perfect storm on Saturday. But, you know, for some reasons not to be overly concerned, we're six games into the season. I understand it's 56 games. I have a lot of people telling me it's 56 games and not 82, but last season they played only 69 games You know, that's 13 uh, more than 56. And they overcame a pretty mediocre October, and they didn't really click until January. And they were one of the better teams in the league. Um, A top six club, I believe, by the end of the season. Top six or seven. So give it a little bit of time. Some of Vino's teams always start slower, and they take time to click. We've seen that in the past. And then also, Taryn, would you agree that, okay, the trip to Boston, they lose two games. They get a point in one of them. In the one game on Thursday, they're two third-period leads away, uh, blown leads away from winning that game. And the Bruins were the best team in hockey last year in the regular season. Like, I don't think it's – like maybe the expectations are so high and fans are really holding on to what we saw down the stretch last regular season, which they should be. That's how the Flyers should be playing. That's when they're at their best is what we saw when they were like 19-6-1 to finish the regular season. But the Bruins – you know, are a pretty good team. They're going to be a pretty good team. They were the best team in hockey in the regular season last year, and the Flyers should have won the, one of those games uh, if they don't blow two third-period leads. So, give it some time. They were 2-3 and 1 to start the regular season last year. They're 3-2 and 1 this year. Um, and they're very short handed. Sean, Sean Couturier, Philip Myers, no Shane Goss uh no Morgan Frost. Like Those are bigger losses than I think some people are really making them out to be. I think if you give it time, uh, I, I know people hate to hear that, but it is only six games, and you got to think they're going to figure it out. I think they will. Do you?
0: I think they will. This is something we discussed for one of the games as we were all talking about our coverage for it, though. The thing is, the way that this Flyers team is playing right now on any given night, the next game they play feels like a momentum-swinging game. And you're like, okay, they win this game, and they're, they're back on track, if they take steps in the right direction, then, you know – We're going to see them start to build. It's going to snowball in a good way. And I think through the first 40 minutes of that first Bruins game, we're going, okay, it's not perfect. I think they got outplayed for the first 20 minutes. It's just Carter was very good in the first period of that first game in Boston. But the second period, it's like, all right, we're taking some steps. This is what we need to see. This is what we need to build on. And then in the third period, it was just like Boston put their foot on their throats. Like, yeah. and we, we just haven't seen it swing back. Like they've won games, but they haven't swung back. They haven't <clears throat> come in and put their foot on the gas and haven't taken it off. And I don't think they have the ability to do that right now, whether it's because of personnel issues or, you know, just sloppiness or whatever. They're dealing with a lot. I think they will have the ability to do that. They are too talented of a team, and they have too many talented individuals to not be able to do that. Um, you know, for for Travis Konechny not to have a goal, and for you know <clears throat> a, a whole host of players that didn't contribute offensively last game to not contribute all on the same night at all. I think will be an anomaly when we look back over the course of the season but they just they have a lot of figuring out to do and the problem the problem with this year and the way it's set up and and with the especially with the east division is you don't really have a team you can figure it out against you know I don't want to poo-poo on the red wings but normally if it's like last year and the flyers go to Detroit you're like cool they can go beat the crap out of the red wings and gain some confidence and get some guys some goals and you know, they can use that game to try to get back on track. New Jersey beat Boston Mm -hmm. in a game during their series. And New Jersey looked a lot better than Boston at times in that series. Jack Hughes has put on weight and looks very, very good. Like New Jersey's not going to be – when people made their kind of East Division predictions, a lot of people had the Flyers and the Bruins at the top of it and the Sabres and the Devils at the bottom – well, the Devils already proved to the Bruins that they can be a problem, and the Sabres already proved to the Flyers that they can be a problem. There's so much parity in the East. I mean, Jordan, where do you see them – or what do you see them doing to to get back on track because there are no confidence-building games available?
1: Yeah, it's so true. Like you said, there's no – you know, in any normal season, you could – have a trip where you you pick out chunks of it and you say well hey we can really get back on track here um internally they probably know like okay that team is a lesser opponent like let's really get it in the gear here yeah not in this division not in this year um I, I do find the next two matchups against the devils to be very intriguing ones because the devils although they're off to a nice little start they're three one and one uh they have seven points just like the flyers uh they're actually allowing the second most shots per game in the league and the flyers are allowing the third most. So. Could see some high-scoring games, two teams that probably want to be doing more things defensively or at least playing more in the offensive zone so they're making life easier on their goaltenders. But I think the Flyers, for me, I think it could take one game. Honestly, one game where they feel like, hey, we, we looked like ourselves from 2019-20, the team that was playing down the stretch, living in the offensive zone, really dictating play. Um, they haven't played a full game yet, not even close, and they're 3-2-1-1. So I think that's a positive um, and I think Ivan Provorov, we mentioned it the other day, but I thought he had a good point about how, you know, in a regular season you're playing six or seven preseason games um, and, and you're getting a chance to really shake off frost and find chemistry with other guys. They didn't have any of that this year. Maybe it does take some time. You're seeing other teams, Taryn, like you mentioned, uh, great point that like other teams are struggling too. Other quality teams are, have not gone up to the best starts. They don't look super sharp. Um, so I think patience will be the biggest thing. But I will agree, and I understand if fans are frustrated, that they have reasons to. This is a team with expectations. You were hoping they would come out of the, you know, come out of the chute and look like the team that's meant to contend for the Stanley Cup, and they haven't. Uh, there are a lot of alarming um, qualities right now with this team, but I just think patience can be good, and I think one game it can take for the Flyers to really turn it around, and then all of a sudden they build confidence. I actually think Carter heartbreaking a stick, Taron, might have been a good thing. Maybe that was, hey – Here's this 22 year old kid who we I never. I kind of wish heard. he didn't apologize, though. I know, and good for him, right? Good for him to be like, "Hey, I, I was unprofessional." Like,
0: yeah, but I wish he didn't. I kind of wish he didn't. I, yeah. was, I kind of wish he was like, I. I mean, like you're saying, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No. I do think I, I had noticed, and and I brought it up, and then Jonesy made a great point on on post game the other night. Um, <clears throat> was Jonesy was saying this is a kid who always, always, always puts all the oneness, all the responsibility on himself. And you really don't hear him ever call anybody out, call his team out. And I said, well, Jonesy, the thing that was interesting to me after that first Boston game was he, he made a comment and it was very subtle. And I don't like to, you know, read into anything too much, but I've been in probably every, every single Carter Hurt scrum there has been since he's been here between practices and games. I, I'm going to assume I've been in all of them. And I've never heard him say anything but I, me, I have to be better, me, I need to do better myself, blah, blah, blah. I've never sit, heard him even say we. It's always been me. And after the first Boston game, he said, we have to find another gear. We're letting play come to us too much. You know, and even to hear that like that, I thought, okay, this is a, a new step in the maturity of Carter Hart." within this game and I think within his ability to lead the team to say like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm not my sharpest, but 40 shots is a lot of shots to see, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and then for him to break his stick, I'm sure it was more frustration at himself than at his team. Oh, sorry. To go back to that last thought what Jonesy said, Jonesy said, I, I played with Patrick Watt and he, I, I learned from him goalies a lot of times see what's happening and witness it in a way that no one else on the ice can see because they're not behind it, looking at it all unfold. It's not coming at them. And he said, I I think Carter probably is actually seeing the game and is trying to like say like, this is what I'm seeing. Like, listen to what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing, which is a valuable bit of insight to come from a, from a goaltender. But, um, I do think the broken stick the broken stick incident um will be valuable. I think that it was refreshing for fans to see that kind of emotion out of a pretty even keeled guy because, you know, as a fan base you feel like why is the team doing this to us sometimes? And for Carter, I think it's like I'm not like, why is this happening to me? You know? And you know, why, why, why can't I get done what I want to do? Um, and it's just that moment of like really understanding, like this sucks for them. Like it sucks for them too. And I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent now, but no. I think long-term it's, it's a positive. I just do. I, I kind of, it's a testament to how he was raised and how kind his parents are and what a, a person of strong moral fiber carter Hardis, that he comes out and immediately is like i'm sorry and that was unprofessional that being said i thought it was dope i thought it was really
1: cool well uh, taryn i want to ask you what was your reaction to it because uh, i'm uh, for you know for road games i'm i'm working from home and i'm watching obviously i i have pre and post game on uh, right away and i'm looking up as i'm trying to finish my story and i'm looking up and i see carter literally i glance up and carter's going to town on the net with his stick. And I'm like, whoa, that is not Carter. Uh, What was your reaction? How did you find out as you're live on post-game live?
0: So for people who don't know, uh, intermission and post-game shows are completely unscripted. It's just me and what's up in the dome and my producer in my ear saying, like, talk Carter. So my producer in my ear, Joe Fordyce, goes – move on to Carter. So what we were doing the crossover with Jonesy talking generic stuff and we move into Carter. Um, and he goes, Carter frustrated. And, and I go, and I'm sitting there like, well, I don't, I can't imagine. Like, I thought maybe he like takes his, his helmet off and he's like visibly frustrated in his face. That's what I was anticipating. So we're doing, we're doing this board and it's Carter's stats and it's like, you know, 14 goals allowed in three games never happened in his career Um, allows four goals or more in three consecutive games ever. And then all of a sudden I get the frustrated Carter video (laughs) note in my ear, which is, that's exactly what they say. That's it. Because I'm talking. So the more they talk, the more it throws me off. Um, And then all of a sudden I just see like "Ah, ah, ah," the stick on the, on the net. And I was like, this cannot be, and we're live. And so I was like, yeah. wow, a, an absolute scene at TD Garden. You know, whatever I said, I'm, I don't even know. But I was shocked. I mean, it was a very genuine reaction because my producer's not going to be in my ear. Like Carter broke his stick over the net, talk about it. Like that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, I was I was shocked. And and Al Morganti was doing the show with me on Saturday. And Al was kind of like, whoa, <laughs> we, don't, we don't see that. But I think um, – The one part of it that's interesting too is I think Carter's obviously a professional. He's been, he's always acted professionally since he got here. But I think before he was very much like the newbie. And even though he's like the future and the savior and everything else, um, I think a part of him still felt like, like the new kid on the block, the young guy in the dressing room, whatever. And I think we're starting to see a bit more of like, I'm here. I've established myself. I'm a pro. I can be mad. I can, you know, I, it just, it feels this year and the way that he's conducted press conferences and even one-on-one interviews we've done with them. Like we're not dealing with a kid anymore. We, we technically never were, but we're not dealing with some wide eyed kid. Who's like new to this anymore. Nothing's new. He's been through the, the gambit in his first two seasons in the league. And now he's, he's a lot more comfortable putting his foot down. Like, even when we were doing media day questions is he was like, Hey, I'd I prefer not to answer question three and 10. And I'm like, okay. And before he would, I don't think he'd ever even do something. Like he'd never say anything like that. He would just happily do it and be like, was that okay? <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting. I think we're, we're seeing uh, a bit of, it sounds weird to call him a maturity when you're doing that, but I think he's, He's like, I'm an adult, and this is my job, and I'm frustrated I didn't do my job the way I wanted to do it. Yeah, he
1: he certainly faced the music on Saturday night. He comes out for his interview after, obviously, um, you know, showing his frustration. And I've covered him pretty closely since 2016 when he was drafted. I've never seen him show that much emotion or be that frustrated. Not even close. Do you think he's ever
0: been on a team that struggled like this?
1: Yeah, it's a great point because his – you know, his final years in junior, his Everett Silver Tips teams were really good, really mm-hmm. good. And, obviously, he dominated the junior level. So, he probably didn't face a ton of struggles personally. Um, and, like you said, Terry, I, I really felt like exactly what you said over his first two years. He just kind of felt new. Like, mm-hmm. he was definitely the guy last year, obviously, the number one goalie. But there was still a sense of newness to him and just being this kid who was just going out there, playing hockey, having fun. Now he's – you know, he's expected – he has expectations. People are expecting him to be – Lights out and uh, good for him for facing the music. I thought it was a good sign of maturity. All month long, NBC Sports Philadelphia presents Headstrong Men's Health and Sports Headstrong, a series about men's health told through powerful stories involving the athletes we love. Learn more on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com slash Headstrong.
0: Lauren, can I ask you a question? Please. If you, were, if you were Elaine Vigneault, or let's say you're like, you know, the Flyers Magic Fairy, their Magic Godfather. And you can fix this team starting with one thing. What's the one place you start right now, given that there's kind of leaks all over the ship? That's an excellent question. Thank you. I ask questions for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Do
1: you treat Scott Hartnell and Al like this with these tough Uh questions?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I do.
1: Um,
0: I like cram 85 stats in there before I ask it. (laughs)
1: That, you know what? It's tough because I do think there are a number of issues that they're facing. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing is just systematically they need to do what they do in terms of – like, to me, I think we've been harping on defensemen so much. But, like, it starts with their forwards. Their forwards need to –
0: I going to say a lot of their defensive issues are not primarily related to their defensemen. <laughs>
1: Right, and I feel like it's just like a natural thing of when you're giving up goals, you think of, well, who's not playing defense? And it's just, it gets pinned on defensemen, but they need to be so much better up front in terms of what they do when they transition the puck and get it into the offensive zone. There just needs to be more effort and uh, more, they need to be sharper in there. And then that way the lives are easier on their defensemen. So, you know what? Maybe I think if, if, the, if they don't really clean things up up front where it all starts, maybe make a, you know, maybe make a bold change, maybe shake things up a little bit, whether it's one guy being demoted or one guy being promoted, or maybe even taking one of your taxi squad guys or your extra forward and putting him in and saying, Hey, we need, we need a spark. Let's see what happens. And maybe it sends a message throughout the forwards. I don't think they're there yet. um, But that would probably be the, the first thing I'm thinking of because I don't really think they have the flexibility on defense right now, but it does bring me to the question I wanted to ask you was it's looking like we're seeing a reinforcement nearing with Shane Gossespierre. He practiced for the first time on Monday with his team since uh, testing obviously positive for COVID. He talked about his experience overcoming COVID. Um, and he, the biggest thing, obviously, is conditioning, getting his conditioning going. He has, he had to stop for about two weeks and really just do nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But he practiced, he was with Ivan Provrov in practice. He was on the power play. All signs point to him Entering the lineup either Tuesday or Thursday. Don't be surprised if you see him in the lineup on Thursday or on Tuesday fans, Taryn, if there's a clear cut guy who should come out of the lineup on defense for Shane Goss' spare, who is it for you?
0: Eric Gustafson. There you go. (laughs) And why is that? Without without a a shadow of a doubt, hesitation. Um, You know, I liked, I, I liked Gus's game first game. I think everybody did. Yeah. But the press clippings, everything we've read about Eric Gustafson, you know, the concerns about Eric Gustafson, I think everyone knew what the gamble was with him. He likes to get in on the rush. He likes to be involved offensively um, at times. The, the, the one thing that I had read one time that stood out to me was that at times his eff- this effort when it comes to making defensive plays is lacking. Yeah. And on the one Marshawn on goal – like it, it was so blatant it, Like it was. I don't know if he was like aware too late or whatever but there was almost like we were watching Al and um, Joe Fordyce our producer and myself we were watching as we were preparing for the post game show because it was third period and it was like at that point just don't even put your stick out because it just was such a it just was not great. And offensive defensemen are great when they can contribute. That's awesome. But you're, you're still meant to defend. That's, that's part of the job. And it just seems like he's, it's either not clicking for him. He hasn't found his rhythm with it, or it's just not, it's a part of his game that he maybe needs to work on. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, Jordan, cause I, it's he's, he's had a few, a few brutal ones. I mean, do you, yeah. do you
1: disagree? I don't know. No, don't. And Elaine Vigneault said it, exactly what you said um, just now. And I think this was, I'll, I'll translate what Vigneault was basically meant, was meaning, but on Monday he talked about um, Eric Gustafson, what he thought of his game so far. And he said, listen, I'm not asking him to be overly physical. I know that's not his style, but he can be a lot better in terms of with his stick and killing plays in the defensive zone. What AV is saying there is that, listen, I know who Eric Gustafson is. He's an offensive-minded defenseman, and I'm, I'm not asking him a ton in the defensive zone, but give me something. Give me yeah. something. And Gustafson gave him nothing there on that play. It was a back-breaking goal. The game was still in reach at 3-1, and then all of a sudden you get eaten alive on a really bad play in the defensive zone where – you know, I don't want to bash Eric Gustafson, but it just looks like there wasn't a ton of effort or care even in that play. He
0: might as well have had a chopstick in his hand. <laughs> Honestly, I—I I didn't. I was the one who came up with that. Somebody else said it, but and I saw it. <laughs> but uh, like, I so like literally, it was like if he if he had like a noodle in his hand, it would have been as effect fa- and. Again, it's one of those things where you're just like, the, the, t- the thing about this team that people loved last year, even before they got on that hot streak, the thing that they loved when they started loving the Flyers last year was that they, they were a never-say-die team. They were never-say-die. Like, it, they could be down four goals in the third period and you'd be like, we'll figure it out. And, you know, it, people just, they fought for each other. They fought for something. There was a ton of... You know, I know we talk about uh, Oscar being an inspiration and all of that, but beyond him, like, they just, they played so hard for each other. Mm -hmm. And some of that, it seems like either they are not or they cannot figure out how to properly execute it. But the thing, Jordan, with that, too, and it kind of goes back to what you said, is, like, when I look at, when you talk about some of the defensive breakdowns involved with the forwards, even when it comes to like forechecking at times, the the gaps and the way that they're stretched out is like one guy goes to forecheck and then two guys are like 20 feet behind them. And then like everybody, everybody's stretched so far. It, it seems like it's nearly impossible to forecheck or to backcheck or to maintain any kind of like, tape-to-tape tape passing or make decent decisions, like at least against the Bruins. It, it, they just look – every every player, every shift looks stretched out. And then it's easy to exploit. It's easy to transition against them. It's easy to puck manage against them because you got a guy here, two guys over here, a guy back here, and a guy down here. And I, this is an audio medium, so I don't know why I just use –
1: yeah. it out like a coach, guys. If if you're one. Know. Yeah, if I had
0: a whiteboard, it would have been beautiful. But um, but no, I mean, do you agree? Because the the, yeah, the gaps are insane, Jordan.
1: Yeah, and that's where like that's their whole system is predicated on having their forwards basically start. Like, no, I will say their system is also predicated on their defensemen joining the attack and being a second wave of offense. But their forwards really need to get it going when when that puck's in there. And yeah, they're just kind of a systematic mess like f2 and f3 are all over the place and like you said it's just creating for um for open hockey and then they start chasing the game and it's just a bad a bad mess but that and then that you know that tells me maybe elaine vignot if they they don't really get things going maybe send a message do something to say hey this is not how we play um but like
0: like drew was on the third line the other night you know, it's yeah. it's who else do you shake up? What else do you do? Like, yeah, I if I'm if I'm him, and it's not all on on Drew because you know not for nothing. I think he tried to just throw the puck at the goal like three times towards the end out of frustration. It was like, well, at least someone's trying to put a shot on goal. Like, you know, the competitiveness in him is still there. But it's okay if I'm if I'm Alain Vino and I'm not and Jordan. I'd love for for you to pretend you're a Landino here too. That Patty, that line of, of Patrick connect and uh, Oscar stay together for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that's one I would want to keep together. We and see.
0: everything else is just like, I don't even care.
1: Yeah. Nothing else should be set in stone. Um, Put
0: it in a blender, dice in the Yahtzee cup, throw them out, see who works yeah. like, cause none of it makes sense anymore.
1: <laughs> no, and it's not showing anything. Nothing's clicking. You're trying to find some type of chemistry. We, Heard Olingvino say it so much throughout October last year that he was just trying to find chemistry. And once they did, they can maybe keep things more in place. Um, and just there's nothing so far other than a few groups of players that have shown something.
0: I would, I would put, again, just me, I would put Lawton back on a line with Nick Obey-Cubell and Michael Raffle, but not make them the fourth line so they yeah. get more minutes because they've yeah. been one of the Flyers' more consistent lines. Like,
1: yeah, in terms of forechecking and playing the way they want to play, and that's going to that's gonna create offense, inevitably. Um, but yes, we, well, Taryn, we do know, it, it. you and I both agree, it's got to be Ghost in for Eric Gustafson. It, to me, it makes perfect sense because, one, Gustafson has struggled, and it's a way to say, hey, we need more from you. We're going to yeah. try this other guy. And then also they have similar, very similar attributes in terms of, Gus Sparrow is an offensive-minded guy. He can slide into a power play role that Gus was playing and um, and see if he gives you more on yeah, at all ends of the ring. So,
0: ideal situation for Gus to come back into – or for Gus – for Ghost to come back into as well. Yeah, they need him. I mean, and, like, I get him being sick was not ideal, but sure. it's not this thing of, like, play well or you're scratched. It's, like, just please play well because we just need someone to play well. Like, it's, <laughs> we have nothing to lose on you right now please do whatever you can execute well just execute that and you don't need to do any more than that which i think ghost has admittedly said he has struggled mentally with overcoming you know some of the self-imposed obstacles in his game and the injuries and everything else but jordan this this really feels like ghost you've been given the prime opportunity to shine does it not
1: it does and last season you remember they they were rolling and when ghost was battling his health stuff and then when he was deemed healthy uh they were rolling and they just didn't really want to mess up the lineup or change things they looked really good and even when it got into the playoffs you know he was fighting for a spot just because the flyers were kind of in let's go with what's what with what worked for us this right now nothing's working so Hey Shane, get in there and just show us what you can do. No pressure. Yes. Like we, we need help, so that's a good you thing. You just have
0: to you you have to just not malfunction. Yes. That's where they're at. You just have to not malfunction. And I'm not here to like set like say the sky is falling and it's not, but that is quite literally where we're at. Like I just need you to do to just be solid. Like yep. which is harder to do than than it seems. But th- they don't need Fancy right now. Like, because other teams are not playing fancy. They're not – it's not like other teams have figured it out. They're not. Everybody is a, a bunch of slop kebab messes. But, like – And can I ask you about Gus? So, were you surprised by Gus so far? <laughs> it's basically what my general – about, about, yeah, about how he's playing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I will be honest. The, the book on him, like we were saying, was really – Offensive-minded guy, but doesn't always have it in the defensive zone. He can really struggle there. And, yeah, we're seeing exactly what we heard. And I just hope, for the Flyers' sake, that he can be better. And I think he can. Like, some of the players we're seeing, like, you're just thinking, wow, like, he is a liability defensively. And that was somewhat of the the book on him. But he's got to be able to be better. And to me, if he's not producing offensively, which – since game one of the season, when he had that two-assist two game on the power play, he hasn't done anything offensively. And if that guy is living in the defensive zone, he's a liability probably. And, but you, you got to expect more. So I guess we'll see. But I, I think it's the time to look at Shane Goss' spare. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about, all from the comfort of your home, isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So, Taryn, we will sh- we'll shift from Eric Gustafson a little bit, give the guy okay. a break. You know, it's only six weeks into the season. Uh, we, we hope Flyers fans, maybe let's – hey, we're all saying let's wait and see, patience. Let's wait and see a little bit more on Gustafsson. Yeah,
0: it's a time of concern. It's not a time of doom and gloom. No. It's just everyone has a fair – like, we're speaking from a place of concern, not of, like, absolute dooming, damning nature. That's not where we're at. But it is a little (laughs) jarring.
1: Yes, and and defensemen that are expected (laughs) to contribute offensively, yeah, they they tend to get exposed a little bit when you're constantly playing in the defensive zone, and the Flyers are doing that. And you're asking guys like Eric Gustafson and offensive-minded guys to really do yeoman's work in the defensive zone, and you're you're bound to have a mess there if you're going to do that. But
0: Yeoman's work. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's
0: great. That's a great literary device. Go ahead. (laughs)
1: Um, Our final thing we'll touch on, though, Taryn. I wanted to ask you about this. Our
0: final thing that we'll talk about? Final (laughs) thing. (laughs) Final. This is my off day, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm losing it.
1: But we're always talking goalies, why not? and it, right now you know that's a topic of conversation. Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott will be in net on Tuesday against the devils. Taryn, do you agree with that decision? Um, I think it's it's time to go to Brian and let Carter maybe just sit and watch a game.
0: Yeah, I mean we were al and I were talking about this on post game the other day and um, and the thing that Al brought up that was probably the most valid point that I heard is that this is not a QB controversy. I know everybody has a, a bit of PTSD from Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, like everything happening with the Eagles sector of the world. Um, but Carter is the guy, not just this year for the next, hopefully 10 to 15 years. He's the flyers guy. He, he's their pride and joy of, you know, their drafting and development and, mm-hmm. He is the goaltender that we've all waited decades for. Carter is it. He will be it. Brian is here, and he chose to be here, and that's huge. But Brian is a very, very capable backup goaltender who is very comfortable also being the backup goaltender. So sitting Carter on Tuesday – And giving him an extra few days to get prepared, get mentally right, talk to whoever he needs to talk to. We know he loves – he's like sports psychology guys that he swears by. You know, giving him the ample amount of time to reset and prepare and do whatever he needs to do, and I won't pretend to know what that is because everybody's different, especially when it comes to goaltenders, is not going to put into question whether or not Carter is the guy between the pipes for this team. He is. He will be. He won't play tomorrow, but he is still the guy tomorrow, even when he's not in net. And at that point, what does it hurt to give him a day off? Like, even at some point, if he hits a wall and he needs, like, a Tuesday and a Thursday game off and Moose has to play two days, he's more than capable of doing so. Mm -hmm. And Carter will still be the guy, and he's still a phenomenal goaltender. Like, I get he has not played phenomenally lately. like, well, but he has. Cause the first period of the first game against Boston should have, the score should have been like three, nothing. So yeah. he's the reason the flyers got a point out of that game. But, um, but yeah, I just think when, when a team has put so much faith in you, but you also don't have all that weight on you because you have a Brian Elliott, this is the time you use that balance. You've worked so hard to develop that balance this is the time you use it, and it's not a goalie controversy. It's it's a day off for a 22 year old who had a bad game.
1: Yeah, and I was really big on Carter playing Saturday. I thought he. I think some people were maybe saying should they go Elliott on Saturday against the Bruins. I wanted Carter to play. I'm big on him playing to build his confidence. Like play through struggles. That's what it's all about. Um, sometimes when you sit too long or you're always taken out after one so-so game or so-so period. All of a sudden, you're in your head. You're thinking too much. Go play and just regain your confidence through playing. But right now, after that type of game where um, we see him look like someone we've never seen before in terms of his frustration, give Brian Elliott a game, and that's a – hey, Brian Elliott's coming off a 40-save shutout. So, like, that's fine. Like, Brian gives you a chance to win. It gives corner yeah. a mental break, allows Brian to get some reps. I, I think that's fine. Um, so, yeah, there's no controversy at all. Carter is the guy. And people forget, he went through a little stretch in October last year where he got pulled. I think it was, like, in his first, like, four to six games. He went through a mini-funk. Brian came in, played wonderfully, uh, and then Carter got his chance again and, and, and started rolling. So,
0: yeah,
1: uh, it's fine. This happens early in the season.
0: Give Carter I mean, a break,
1: let Brian go. And-,
0: and he struggled. he struggled on the road for months and months last year. Yeah. And so they started to employ Brian on the road and Brian did great on the road. And then they played an entire, you know, post in a bubble, which is technically on the road. And Carter did fine in the bubble. So it's like my, my thing that I was more curious about and I see both sides of it. And I wonder Jordan, if you were surprised at all was that they kept Carter in that game last game and you know, Al and I were talking about it and we were weighing the pros and cons of it. And this is before it became a six, one game when it was like four, one. Um, and Al was like, you know, the thing is, is that most goaltenders would be irate because they're like, you're screwing up my stats. You know, the team's not, the team's not helping you out. My stats are getting screwed up, you know, like and they're they're pissed that their their team hung them out to dry, but that their coach allowed it to go on for so long. And Al said, "The interesting thing with Carter is one, he's not a guy who's going to go be pissed at his coach or who has an ego or who has a you know a like a diva attitude. He's certainly not that." Um, And he's – and he probably – and Al said, you know, he's he's probably not going to play on Tuesday, so it doesn't hurt to keep him in. Like, why would you put Brian in and have his psyche wrecked for 20 minutes? But, uh, Jordan, I I was curious if you were at all surprised that he was kept in that game.
1: Yeah, I can't say I was because of just how it unfolded. It's 3-1 in the third, and as we mentioned, Taryn, that 4-1 goal was about, like, four-plus minutes in – And it was not on Carter. That was on coverage in front, Eric Gustafson, and just a breakdown. So, like, I wouldn't think I would pull him there because it had nothing to do with Carter, like, leave him in. And then once it got to 5-1, everything kind of happened fast. And Yeah, yeah, like you said, Taryn, it's – the the game is already – it's already sealed. It's done – you know, sometimes you pull a goalie maybe early in the game because you think you still have a chance to win the game, and it sends a message – I don't think it would have sent any message to pull Carter. Um, if anything, that's you know that would have been two, um, not two straight games. Uh, that's right. He was pulled in Buffalo, but it he would have been two times. Yeah,
0: two two times in in three starts. starts. Yeah. yeah, that
1: he's pulled. So, um, I think it, you know, like you said, he, Carter's a young kid that I don't think he would have taken offense that Vigneault was like, "Hey, stay in there and uh, take take this beating. And just
0: take it." Yeah, like he's
1: not like that. Like you said, he's not a veteran guy. That yeah. Uh, that would be like coach what are you doing to me so yeah it was it was weird to see him have to go the full game and give up six it definitely uh puts a dent in his statistics but other than that i, I think it just made sense and i think at that point vino probably made up in his mind we're going with Brian on tuesday yeah let's yeah. see if, so
0: it, it was just it was interesting cuz i've always like thought of it in terms of Like pulling goalies in, especially this season, in terms of like the future. So, what the next few games looks like when you're going to start, you know, Brian versus when you're going to start Carter. That kind of setup, which is what it seemed to be, Av based his decision off of. Mm -hmm. But then Al was was talking and and he said he was like, I mean, this seems lucky that he's a as nice a guy as he is, and b is you know young and not jaded in the ways of the world and, and by hockeyreference.com and his stats. Um, because there's plenty of goaltenders who would be like, get me out of this game right now. Like, I, I don't need to, I don't deserve this kind of abuse <laughs> at the hands of the Bruins. And, uh, and I hadn't particularly thought of it that way. And he was like, oh yeah, most goaltenders would have flipped out, like flipped out. And, <laughs> That's just so
1: true. I'm sure, obviously, uh, you know, and also Al knows, given his experience, that like that is very true. And I, I think I remember a game, might have been a few years ago. It, I feel like it was the home opener against the Sharks. I think two or three years ago. I think they lost like eight two, and it might have been Brian. It might have been Brian Elliott. I don't want to say that for a fact, but I remember, and uh, I believe the goalie stayed in the whole game for the Flyers. And there was a lot of talk about like, man, you let him out there, and just let him hang out to dry both the team and the staff and some people were saying like the goalie did not deserve that, like take him out at that point. Yeah. Um, I'll have to double check on that. I'm actually eager because it, it does relate to the situation that we saw in Boston on Saturday night.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the only, like the, the main difference is like what you pointed out is that it seemed to come in, in spurts of like two yeah. goals at a time. So it goes from a three, one game that's still winnable so, like, a 5-1 game that's out of control very quickly. Um,
1: and then say say Brian goes in, Taryn, in a meaningless game, and God forbid he injures himself, like – Yeah, I and mean, he's 35 years, years old,
0: too. Right, you have to right. That. Yeah.
1: So, but, hey, Brian Elliott in
0: that on Tuesday, Taryn. And I think people are excited about it. I think they're yeah. like, okay, let's see let's see what Brian can do. Let's see what Shane can do if he's out there. Let's- yeah, it's just- – but nice everyone can do. Faces.
1: Yeah, you want to see – when you see a 6-1 loss, the second of six games uh, for the Flyers, another 6-1 decision, you kind of want to see change. And, hey, you're going to – there's a good chance Flyers fans are going to see some change. We know they're going to be changing net, and there's a chance Shane Gossett will be back. And uh, let's see if those guys can help and what they can do. But And,
0: uh, Sean, and, and Sean Petrie and Phil Myers skating today. Good stuff. Yeah, good signs. Good yeah.
1: signs there on the health front for the Flyers. It Is looks like guys are – on a positive home? note. Yes, positive. There we go. We'll end it on a positive note right there, Taryn Hatcher. Flyers fans, you can check out Taryn on pre and post game live as usual. Tuesday and Thursday, Flyers Devils, a two game set up the road in New Jersey. But, Taryn Hatcher, thank you as always so much. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Uh, ben Berry, special thank you to our podcast producer as well. And, Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest. Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.